Welcome to the Wise Women Diaries podcast. This is where shame and victimhood die. I am a woman that questions everything, so this podcast is a reflection of that. Here we speak on non-mainstream perspectives, like healing our childhood wounds, learning to trust ourselves, the voice of fear versus intuition, and how children are our teachers. We discuss what it looks like to own your power as a woman and step out of the medical paradigm. That's why I am obsessed with interviewing women who trust their bodies and babies in home birth and free birth and their wild journey from maiden to mother. Ultimately, this podcast is for women who want to thrive and have inner peace, learning how to take radical responsibility for their life and shed victimhood for good. Well, thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I feel so honored, especially because of the the beautiful name of your podcast, Wise Women. Um, So I am Anita. I am a human design manifester. I am a Gemini sun, Aquarius moon, and Capricorn rising. I am a lover of lots of things, um, natural medicine, ritual, writing, um, anything self-discovery and self-awareness. So that's why I love astrology and, and human design. My soul essence is of truth and justice and also um, the ability to see the unseen. So um, most of the women in my community probably know this, that my favorite moment of the day is sunrise. So this is really cool. I get to record this podcast at at sunrise as the sun is coming up. Um, and then obviously the first cuddles of the day with my kids. And then as a two, four manifesta, um, another part of another favorite part of my day is time alone or time being in my own energy. Um, something that I have overcome in my life, something really big was physical, mental, and emotional abuse. Um, the hardest moment in my life was probably my parents' divorce. Um, and I was going to say leaving that abusive relationship, it was hard, but I would also say maybe that was one of the best too. Um, my childhood life was uh, never truly feeling, feeling or being understood, um, never truly feeling safe. And a really confusing time to reflect upon because it's such an intertwining of like beautiful family holidays um, and going to beautiful places, kind of mixed with alcoholism in the home and having to wear a mask, pretending that kind of wasn't happening most of the time. So the peaks and valleys of motherhood for me, the peaks, um, birth, love birth, (laughs) breastfeeding. Um, and I guess maybe the valley of motherhood as well was like weaning from breastfeeding. Um, although such a beautiful time, such a sacred time. And I honored both of those times, like such a, yeah, a bit of a valley, bit of a hard time too. Um, the peaks as well are like those moments witnessing, like those conscious moments of, um, of witnessing myself and my child rewrite the patternings of 
parenting and like choosing another way, you know, there's really, really poignant moments where you just make another choice where you could fall into default, but there's a pause and you choose another way. Um, my biggest values are freedom, freedom in choosing how I live my life, which is very manifesto. Um, I am passionate about elevating the value of women's work, the feminine healing arts and mothers as medicine women. So yeah, my biggest mission is around returning health and healing to the hands of women and mothers. Um, I'm really proud of myself for what others would have called stubbornness, especially when I was younger, but more a dedication to my intuition. So I don't even know why, but I have always believed myself over like, yeah, pretty much everyone else. And from an early age, it would be seen as stubbornness where I would just be like, no, like I'm doing this thing or I'm no, this isn't good for me. Or yes, I'm doing this thing when it almost, and still, still to this day, a lot of the time almost feels like everyone else is against that decision. So free birth was part of that too. Um, but after the decision was made and like, um, in hindsight, it's always been the right decision. So I'm really, yeah, I'm really proud of myself for sticking to that truth and believing myself. Um, I would say my personality strengths are being ambitious, being deep. Um, so a deep thinker and feeler, um, being comfortable in leadership, I guess, because I'm quite self-led myself, um, being assertive and determined. And I guess the other thing I'd throw in there as well is like being quite good at boundaries and managing my energy. And that probably ties into the bigger part of my story <laughs> that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Where do you want to launch off with that? Hmm. The word power is coming in and a woman being in her power, finding her power. I know we hear this all the time, like reclaiming women's power. And um, I think the words get thrown a lot, but I, I'm yet to find a lot of women that have actually felt it and done it and not just speak about it. Um, but that is something that I really, really wish for women. Um, so should I just start with that yeah. first moment? <laughs> yeah. So I think that as I was saying, you know, being quite intuitive and sticking to that, I think that is somewhat of remaining in my power, even when most of my life, um, a lot of people tried to pull me out of it. Um, but it wasn't until I literally handed over my power in a relationship that I was in, that I truly understood what it meant to be in my full power and pull it back and bring it back. And, um, which was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And yeah, as I was saying before, even just when I say like, I have been in an abusive relationship, so physically, mentally, emotionally, um, and the only reason I wouldn't call it domestic abuse or violence is because we didn't live with each other a long time, but it's the same thing. Um, yeah, but most women would say, I cannot even imagine you in that 
situation. I cannot imagine you as, you know, that archetype, you know, in that experience. And it's pretty wild to think, yeah, of myself in that experience too. And the way, the way that um, I gradually handed over my power. So I think a lot of people think that when there's an abusive relationship or when a, when a woman is in that situation, that it just kind of happens overnight, but that's actually the whole point that it doesn't. And you become so brainwashed um, somewhat. But then again, when I say the word brainwashed, that's being in the victim, you know, mentality as well. You little by little by little give yourself reasons to hand over your power for whatever that is. So um, where to start with that? How, How deep old were you? Twenty three. Twenty three. Yeah. About that. So I had been in a long term relationship and which I felt very trapped in. So previous to this, and I had not not for any of those kind of circumstances, but just as a manifest, I felt very trapped where I was in the relationship and I left and I went traveling. Um did a bit of travel around Australia and along the way I met this yeah, I'm not gonna say man, this guy. <laughs> and I mean, I didn't have the language for it, but the love bombing was, you know, intense. And um, I had also, when I had left that other relationship, my parents had just divorced, like all these other things had happened as well. So that's why I was, you know, escapism, let's travel, let's get away from this, let's run away from this. And so he must have just smelt me out like injured bird. There she is. (laughs) And um I guess from feeling nothing, you know, well, feeling all of the um, kind of traumatic feelings from all the other stuff and then just moving into a place of numbness and then that, the love bombing, I mean, it's just a recipe for for disaster really. And, yeah, it wasn't even a long period of time, but – I want you to explain the love bombing because if I have young young maidens Mm. listening to this, I want them – to understand what that is like what did it make you feel well let me tell you like the example that comes to my mind and then I can say how it made me feel um what made me feel super important for sure super super valued um the first one that I remember was like literally when we first met and I was traveling and he really you know, I want to, you know, take you out. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like I'm traveling, like I'm free. I just escaped from something. Um, and he said something like, um, let me think of the words. Like, I'm so obsessed with you that anywhere you go, I will find you and I will stalk you down. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) Not like, oh my God, what a psycho. Oh my God. He like thinks I'm that amazing that's love bombing yep yep yeah and then so it continued with that and then obviously and with any sort of like narcissistic um partner or narcissistic relationship it starts like that and it's like that for the majority of it and then it just turns to like you are nothing and then as the the other partner in that you're like well what happened to all of that other stuff like I must have done something wrong here um the physical stuff was very interesting and it's still interesting to reflect upon because it would start as like 
mucking around, like push you, push you a little bit more, push you, I just fell off the bed. Oh, that's like embarrassing. Like, and that feeling of like not being in your power, like what just happened? Oh, he's just mucking around to like then it becoming arguments of, you know, then being grabbed and in the moment. So it's like it's so hard to like put – I think a lot of people think, okay, so that kind of relationship, like a woman has a black eye and she says, I fell down the stairs and lied about it. And like a lot of the times it's not seen and, of course, that happens too. That didn't happen to me. But a lot of the times it's unseen. I did have bruisings on my arm and on my arms and people did ask me about it and I lied about it because it's so – there's so much entanglement. Like where do you start? I think that's that's what it is. I think it was the moment that um I kind of came to like I must have been in some weird <clears throat> I don't know semi-conscious coma walking around like just not conscious, just a shell of myself. <clears throat> and it was a moment of I was sitting down and he was on me and hands around my neck and I was like what is this like something just I don't know if my guide stepped in was like what is going what are you doing and it was that moment that I was like this is not okay and started to like untangle myself so yeah that's kind of the whole that's the relationship in a nutshell but I mean there was like you know cheating infidelity um really embarrassing public things um I guess the other form of love bombing was you know if we were out and even another guy looked at me he would start a fight about it and punch them and like and again I was like oh (laughs) yeah yeah so I guess I can I can I can go into that more but I can also flip to the part where it took me a really long time to come back into my power I mean like even moving back home you know, to the state because that was in another state um, and him still continuing to, I don't know, I, I think I think those men, like maybe they haven't been told no before in their life and I don't, I don't know what happens with that. When I took my power back, I think he wanted it. He, he, yeah, I started to. He wanted it. So I came back home and there was some really crazy events after that. Found out He found out where I lived twice flew down rocked up on my doorstep and again I was still in this situation like still in this weird mindset like I should have just called the police should have just been like yeah but I it still wasn't a final get the hell out It, it was he was then acting like a victim um where I broke his heart so and it was something I had to fix I am I am curious if I know you're in your young 20s at this point, but mm. are you having a push-pull between your intuition and your mind, your heart and your mind? Like, is there this like deep, deep knowing that it's so wrong, but it's so intoxicating and you really do think he loves you? You know, like, was there a push-pull? I think, to be honest, I think intuition was switched off. I think it was emotion, just pure emotion. Like, and emotional blackmail and guilt for making him feel a certain way and then the love like there was not much logic not much intuition all I think all just uh, emotional 
really manipulation. Yeah. Yeah. Manipulation for sure. Yeah. So, um, as I was saying to you before, I, I think it's really important for women to, to know, like there's so many more details, but I guess what I would really love them to be aware of is that like when women say, why don't women just leave? Um, it's because it's this gradual building up of something that the behavior becomes actually normalized in your mind. It, it's, it's like that exposure, constant exposure to something that you just become, what is that word? Desensitized almost to the behavior. Um, and it's a game. It's a very clever, manipulative game where you, you doubt yourself. And so when you do come out of it, yes, you have so much anger at yourself for like, how could I, how could I allow that? How could I doubt myself? You know, all of those things. So yeah, it's a gradual and it doesn't have to be a long, long period of time. This was only nine months, but it was a, yeah, a a gradual building up of things. So, so yeah. And then the main point I wanted to talk about, oh, sorry, did you want to say something? No, no. Oh, the main the main point I wanted to talk about is um, for a long time I sat in the he's so awful and, you know, um, yes, victim mode. And, I mean, I did have compassion for myself for also, um, I don't know, I think there's it's okay to feel like a victim at some point but then to not stay in it um, because obviously what he did was wrong and um unjust and but then there comes a point where you realize I actually handed my power over there like I could have at any point although I didn't have the support or even the resources or or maybe I didn't have the support but of course I had the inner resources I just didn't know how to grab them I guess um yeah and then there came a point where it had to be cold turkey and for some reason that felt like I was being really harsh. And there's that thing about a woman yeah. of, of saying no, of being like, no, you don't have access to me anymore. For some reason I would allow him to have little bits of access, whether it was just messages on or whatever. And when I did the cold turkey thing and how and I felt how freeing that was and why I didn't do that earlier, there was still guilt there. Like there was still that feminine guilt, like I've just cut someone off so wild after everything that had happened um but to do that and immediately feel my power and my energy return to me wow I mean that was almost intoxicating uh, in itself to be like oh like I have the I have this power over myself what and I think that um was I know a lot of women say that they experience that during birth, you know, or if they have different birth experiences. For some reason, I was moved through that quite earlier. So birth for me was like, well, no, no one's getting any of my power or energy whatsoever. Like from that moment on um, in any relationship and at times like it teetered on, um, I had to find my balance with it. It teetered on like, um, not an abuse of power, not in any way, but of like, oh, wow, this is this is something very strong and powerful here. Like this could be misused. And I, I wanted to touch on that as well because I think a lot of women fear that because they've seen um, a misuse of power. But, yeah, I think there's, a, there's obviously a right way to use it 
so yeah, that was that was a, a catalyst for for a lot of things <laughs> from that moment on of being like, this is what it feels like to be in your power. Wow, I'm never giving that away again. Yeah, and when you were talking, I was thinking we a lot of times alchemize our lack of power to gain our power. But this dynamic of that I look at in our childhood of if we are raised by a parent that is all-knowing, all-powerful, this authority figure that makes us feel like this little girl that knows nothing and we need to obey them at all time, at all costs, that, that level of power of a parent to a child in our childhood, I think, comes out in friendships or romantic relationships or you know, in spiritual circles even. Like we want an authority figure and especially in birth, right? We want a doctor. We want an authority figure. We want this midwife to be the authority over us. Mm. Or even even in our friend circles, like we are always kind of seeking that matriarch or that authority figure where we can play this role of this little girl. I'm not saying all of us at all times, but I don't know if this is making sense, but I have seen this with someone in my life with a spiritual guru where, you know, she's in her 40s, 50s, 60s with a spiritual guru and she constantly has to keep feeling like a little girl that has, that doesn't know enough. And she has to keep going to the mother, the spiritual guru to tell her what is best and what is right. And it's this constant dynamic of seeking an an authority figure. And I feel like that dynamic has to come from our childhood because, you know, we're kind of shown, a lot of our childhoods were kind of shown, trust the, trust the parent. They know best. They're all knowing. And, and we know nothing. And we're not trusted as kids. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about the themes that I had spoken to earlier around I never felt understood, I never felt seen, I never felt supported. And I, in fact, think that that's what I was seeking out. I don't know. That's that's an interesting thing to think about. I know. Well, because in middle of your abusive dynamics, it is a power thing, especially with physical power, you know, mm. with him putting his hands on you. I don't know. Do you know what I think I've seen as a pattern running? Because I was just, when you were saying, you know, there's um, – even in communities or spiritual leaders. And I've been in communities where I've seen someone be top dog and women, women put that other woman just say as top dog. But there's something about um, my nature that I won't let. Maybe it's from that experience. I will not let anyone dominate me energetically or any, and like in that way. But I actually think that sometimes that becomes more intoxicating for that person. And I actually feel like sometimes I'm like, if there's a group and everybody's submitting and I'm over here going, no, I actually feel like sometimes I'm a challenge for that person. I've seen that play out before. Yeah. But if that makes sense, because you've lived that in your early twenties. So yeah, exactly. if, if women haven't untangled this authority figure power dynamic, then it can show up later in life, in your 30s, in your 40s. Like the person mm-hmm. I know with the spiritual guru, um, you know, is, is in her midlife, like 50s, 60s. And yeah. she's just now facing this power dynamic. But 
this power dynamic does show up in birth for most women. The authority figure of the doctor, but but this this power, this authority figure happens in so many situations because it's it's, it's this like revisiting from our childhood where you know we're so dominated by our parents and we're taught, you know, to be this little girl that knows nothing and just submit, 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 submit. And then a lot of times in our 20s, 30s, 40s, in romantic relationships or in our birthing situation or in spiritual mm-hmm. circles or any type of community circle, this power dynamic can be revisited for a reason to be yeah. like, who are you? What do you stand for? Yeah. Yeah. And I should have mentioned at the same time, um, parallel to that experience, I was also having this same sort of situation, but in my health. And so I was having really terrible health. So I feel like I was just like bombed with all of that at the same time. So this was the exact same time. Um, I was having terrible digestive issues, um, anxiety, depression. And at that age, what do you do? You go to the doctor. Um, And I'd already like kind of had some experiences in my life where I was like, "Mm, I'm a bit iffy on you guys. I'm not sure you know. I'm not sure you know what's right for me because I've had a few times here and hasn't seemed to work out. So I already had that kind of laid like from an early, early age and a distrust, starting to build that distrust of that system. And yeah, at the exact same time, obviously all my health issues like got exacerbated and um, my anxiety and depression and was through the roof. And then, yeah, not long Actually, you know what I think it was? I think I got my health in order and my health was the thing that gave me the strength to reclaim my power in that relationship Um, because I – well, let me tell you this as well. This was another moment of huge distrust for the medical system. So did what I did, go to the doctor, they refer you to a psych. And like I said, I had a lot of things going on before I fell into that relationship but also – I was referred to a psych and one of the sessions I tried to bring up that I was in this abusive relationship and she said, the psychologist, I, we're not here to talk about your um, fights with your boyfriend <laughs> and I will never forget it because that was wow. infantilizing and maybe it's because <sighs> I, I look younger than I am but I was in my 20s and she treated me like I was 16, 17 And I never forget that moment. I obviously never went back. Um, And even I guess that was a moment of intuition of like, that is not okay. (laughs) I just tried to disclose something to you that I cannot disclose to anybody. had not told us a single person. And obviously like throughout my life, I still have this feeling of talk therapy. Um, Yeah, but... Yeah, I think I think the main point was that I got my health in order and I reclaimed my health for myself because I was not getting helped. So I went and saw alternative therapists. I saw a naturopath and I had results, you know, within a week of seeing these other people and and spiritual mentors and and not that I placed them in a in a position of authority, but I just realized there was like another way and I could actually well, I think the way they were practicing was like helping me reclaim my power as well. They were, they weren't authorities. They were like, well, this can help you, you know, if it feels good for you. Um, rather than go and see this psych and take this antidepressant and, you know, um, 
so I had to kind of walk that path to get to that path, but I think it was my health and reclaiming that. And so that was probably my, my introduction to that as, as well. And so I guess that's what, yeah, was definitely the thing that helped me with my own, when I was pregnant, um, with my own births and then having my children and that being reinforced again, that I don't have to go into the system and I don't have to hand my power over was then the catalyst as well for like, well, I need to like, I need to help other women find this within themselves too. Because if it's within me from this situation, then it's within them and they don't have to have that situation, you know, to be able to find it. Can you speak to owning your power and then free birthing and then being a mama bear, a fierce mama bear? (laughs) Yes. Well, I free birthed my son, but I guess there was still another part of me that had to untangle as well and and, a, and another place I had to reclaim my power because I did have a midwife at my my daughter's birth. Um, so that was another moment where afterwards I was like, I didn't have to do that. And there were some times I handed over my power. Um, for example, um after I'd birthed her and they said, we just need to check you out and see if, you know, you have any tears. Oh, there is a tear. Um, we'll stitch it. And I said, I don't want stitches. Oh, you're going to, you're going to want stitches. It, trust us. You're going to want stitches. No, I don't want stitches. Like mostly from the fear of it where I was like, I just had everything non-medicalized. Why the hell do I want needles going into yeah. my yoni at this stage? And I mean, this is like what? 20 minutes post-birth so I'm still like I fought it as much as I could and then they said you're gonna want it and I just I was so exhausted I surrendered and yeah another moment of handing over my power because after that and this was my lesson it was so excruciating having those stitches done and then afterwards my postpartum was so painful and it shouldn't have been um so again another little catalyst to then when I was pregnant with my son, I was like, nobody is coming. Nobody is touching me. Like there's still an opportunity for a midwife that I had such a beautiful relationship with. And that was like a unicorn midwife. There's still opportunity for me to hand my power over and for them to, um, maybe try to initiate that. So yeah. So then I free birthed my son and being a fierce mama bear. Well, I guess that then led into my children are not being vaccinated, which was a decision that was made before I even had children. Yeah, I don't know which which part of motherhood. <laughs> I mean, it's just so beautiful that a woman's journey from her 20s or her teenage years even to her 20s is this evolution on gaining that that power back to be the mother your children need you to be. It's just too perfect. <laughs> mm. Yeah. It's too perfect. Well, well, yes. And I, I've kind of touched on this with you and um, kind of had this mentality of my son's like out of bounds for a little while after some experiences lately. But I also realized that is the medicine to talk about it and just and just touch on it too. But I have definitely had to step up as a fierce, well, fierce mama bear for both of them, um, but especially, yeah, with my son and especially of late. But I guess even just speaking about my daughter and having to step into that and, and so when, she, so she's eight now, 
So eight years ago, um, we were definitely the minority not vaccinating her and not just in our circles, just um, across the board. There wasn't a lot of, I mean, I did find my mamas, but, um, you know, she was excluded from things. She wasn't, I mean, you're not allowed to go to daycare here, but she was excluded from things like from friends that she had and experiences and I'll never forget it. And I, yeah, there was a protectiveness that I had to bring in to not let her feel that and to not let her feel like she was different and to still stand in my truth with that, that this is still the right thing, even though once again, it feels like the whole world is against the decisions. And I guess, you know, meeting my man, um, from the moment I met him, it, like he was such a, um, a soul connection that this whole time it felt like the whole world was against me. And he was actually like someone that was like, Oh my God, he's on the same page. Oh my, Oh my goddess, I should say. And so to move through parenthood with him has been amazing because I haven't had to, you know, I know some women still have to fight that relationship on what they know their truth is. So that's been amazing to actually feel like, Oh, the hell, if he's with me, then the whole world isn't against me, you know? Um, so yeah, that, that happened a lot with my daughter. I had to really protect her from that. I had to really continue to stand in my truth when everyone else wanted to like pull me out of it. Um, and yeah, and then I guess another clone situation with my son, like of late, um, just again, like the, the world really not accepting him for who he is. And just um, without labels and without judgment and watching him trigger things in full-grown adults is one of the most interesting things I've ever witnessed. Watching him trigger all the unhealed parts of adults, you know, and thinking, (laughs) wow, this is definitely part of your role here, but then protecting him from the comeback of that because – you know, he's a child. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but having to stand strong in our truth that he is who he is and he's on his own timeline. And again, the whole world wants to box him into something or speed him up or whatever it is. And just having to stand in that again. Yeah. But, but so interestingly, the circles we had formed around us and the communities we had formed around us, that felt so like-minded. Wow, it's really like diversifying that again. Like really, are you really like a group of people that, you know, doesn't that that is accepting um of everybody and I guess we united in the fact that maybe in the season of my daughter where we were the one one outs where we helped each other move through life because we were the outcasts and we were the ones that were being judged and And then so interesting, now this new expansion, you know, with my son and the question is, are you really, are you, have you turned into the people that you, that were judging you before? So very interesting to observe. And I say interesting, but also very painful and like, yeah, like I have moved through a lot with this, you know, having to to stand in this again and and again, stand in my power and, and truth. Mm, I think it's amazing that you have your your man though 
that you have that family unit, you mm-hmm. guys against the world at least. Because yeah, some women, and that's a conversation I want to have on this podcast with some women who you know are kind of at war with their their partner in all of their decisions, which is a whole other experience. Yeah. Wow. But I th- I think I met him because. I wouldn't be in that situation if I, again, if he was another person that was against me and I knew my truth and my power, he knows I would do, I'm still doing it. So I don't think it, you know, being so strong in that, that I would have like brought him into my world. I don't think, I think that, yeah. And, and that topic itself, you know, I always see that, that in relationships, um, you know, like when women say, oh, I would, but my husband won't let me, or I would, but my partner disagrees. And, and I've spoken to this about, um, I've spoken, the, um, about this, sorry, to clients as well, where they're actually just mirroring your own insecurities around that. Like if you, if you're feeling like your partner doesn't trust you, they're just amplifying that tiny bit of distrust within yourself or non-belief in yourself. Because if you did, they would reflect it back to you. Yep. Nail on the head. Is there anything else you want to say with that? Because that's actually a huge topic, but you just nailed the root cause. So there's not much to say. (laughs) I think that's it. If you have any, well, in most relationships, if you have any wobbliness, they're just going to, yeah. It's the perfect mirror. Yeah. It's the perfect mirror. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and, and also, you know, there is some victimhood, there is victimhood in that dynamic of, oh, you know, my, my husband doesn't want a home birth, so we're not. And, Mm. you know, you're, you're a victim and you're blaming his decision or his fear and you're playing that role and you seem to to be fine with it because what would happen if you took responsibility? Yeah. Well, sometimes I see it as throwing their husband under the bus and he's the scapegoat because there's a tiny yeah. bit of them that's still scared. So, so they pin it on them. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's it. That's it. It's, it's this inability to be radically honest with yourself, with yourself and your fears. And mm. do you really trust yourself? It's, and, and it's easier, it's always easier to blame someone. Even if it's your husband, it's easier to blame like, okay, I'm not having home birth because of him than to say, I'm actually so scared or I don't think I can do it. Like that's mm-hmm. a different level of honesty. And yeah, if people are ready for that, they'll be ready for it. But if not, you know, they'll probably use the scapegoat blame route. Yeah. And I think I had to understand that myself post um, awful relationship that um, I had to I had to look at my part in it. What is my part in this? I had parts in it. Um, yeah, that didn't have to manifest the way it did. It didn't even have to begin, you know, and that was super hard because for years, whilst I was healing and whilst I was wounded, like I said, I, I think that you can slip into that vulnerable place of like, this was unjust and, and be in that place, but you have to get out of that. There has to be a point where you're like, I called this in for some reason. And, and I think that, you know, when you have come to the place of resolution and healing, when you actually, um, express gratitude for the whole situation, that is the healing point of like, 
of, I don't have to say it to him, but to energetically say, thank you for coming into my life. Because look at how I've evolved. Like we obviously had a soul contract around that. And, but that takes, you know, it doesn't have to take a long time. I don't believe in um, things taking a long time to heal, but I think it takes a lot of energy and effort and commitment to the healing. Um, yeah, yeah, there's to get a, to that point. Yeah, there's a threshold, you know, with, with birth trauma, if you were wronged by a midwife or a doctor or you have an abusive partner and, you know, you were a victim to abuse of some sort. Like that is a reality. But feeling the pain of that, you eventually hit a threshold where it's kind of like a fork in the road on do I want to keep giving life to this victim narrative? Do yeah. I want to keep giving, you know, putting wood in that fire? Or do I want to now see how all of it was for me? Yeah. And that's a road we can all choose. Yeah. Yeah. And I often liken it to the stories. Like, do I want this to be my story anymore? Mm -hmm. So for a while after that, I was like, I hate men. Like, and I'm like a, this radical feminist. And then I was like, that doesn't feel good either. But I, I think there's something to be said about that as well and, and women's stories, even women that have experienced, you know, maybe traumatic births or, or, ex, or those kind of experiences in birth. Um, it's still part of your story. It doesn't have to be your story. But I've worked with other women as well who won't even um, acknowledge it's part of their story. That's not me anymore. So I don't, I don't even talk about it. I don't even... I don't even look at it. I don't even bring it up. And I, I don't think that's a healthy thing either because there's always still medicine in it. It can be there, but it cannot like dominate your energy and your experience, but it's still part of you. And I think if you get to that place of gratitude, then you can like, inst like if you don't identify with it, then you have cast a part of yourself aside and away. And that part of you will forever try and come back in to be a whole. Yeah. So I, so to bring that part of you in and like nurture that part of you um and to be like this is like a thread through my story it's still there there's like many it doesn't have to be bigger or smaller or yeah any of that but the moment we cast ourselves aside I think or like parts of ourselves aside yeah that's when we're just like this mm. I know I'm thinking seeing all these different fractals everywhere just unhealed and yeah yeah <laughs> I want to I want to know what what would you speak to a woman if she's listening to this right now where she's in that power dynamic whether it's with her her spouse or her doctor where she's like oh I am giving them my power and I know it right now Yeah well I think what they need to reconnect to is their truth like when is and that's such an interesting thing. Like, how do you know what your truth feels like? It feels different for everybody, but everybody, every woman must have a point in their life where they had connected to their truth. Um, what would I say? Well, maybe I'll just share this as well, because this was also a part of, this was another parallel kind of um, experience running along this main experience that all converged at kind of one point. But I, there must have been a part of me that was trying to speak to me and that I just couldn't hear. And I, I was at the shops one day, this was towards the end of this relationship. And 
I just, how can I explain it? When I was younger, I used to go to, it's called Tree of Life here. It's like a spiritual shop. When I was younger, I always walked in there. It always was the place that I felt when no one understood me or saw me. It's the only place I felt like myself. And so it's so interesting because I brought myself into that shop when I was in this relationship. I needed to reconnect to something that felt like me apart from this like outside of this entanglement. And I walked in and I just like breathed. I just took a deep breath and there were cards everywhere. And again, feels like home for me always has like, and I found this deck of cards and I, and it was just so like, I don't know. It was just no intention or outcome. I was just like, let's just lean further and further into this place. that feels like me. And I pulled a card out and I can't remember the message, but it was essentially like, not that angels would speak like this, but like, get the fuck out of there. (laughs) Like, what are you doing? Um, Something about you can, something about boundaries, you can, something about loving yourself more than someone else, right? So I obviously bought that deck of cards and that has always been the, the point of return for me. So I guess that can be like, that's spirituality or connection to my inner self or my guides, you know, for, for me, but you know, maybe that's different for other women. What feels like you like go to that place that feels like you when you're on your own, when that, yeah, that feeling, um, because I, uh, the more I leaned into that and still do, that's still my, um, place space of like knowing what truth feels like to me and Mm. yeah where I believe myself. Yeah, the journey to truth is a long journey, but if we are struggling with mind concepts like tug and pull, should I leave, should I stay, Um, fears, you know, is this going to happen again? Just all of the mind chatter. What I love to ask people is if you get rid of every fear, every fear, just get rid of every fear, every mind chatter, what do you know? What do you know? Like with every ounce of your body, what do you know? And a lot of people will just say the very simple capital T truth of it's it's all going to be fine. Yeah. Sometimes that's the truth is these very simple truths, but we all feel it deep down in there. and. That's what is hard to distill sometimes is getting rid of all the mind chatter, all of the fears, but like, what do you really know? And, you know, some women, their answers are going to be different, but that's what it feels like you did in that store. Yeah. I think what I did was, um, and this is what I teach all my clients, like cancel out all the noise. Where can you be where you cancel out all the noise even though it may be uncomfortable to sit in that silence or that space in between, where can you cut off all the cords, be in your own energy um, and like take some time because it might take some time for all that energy to dissipate out of your own aura. So nature is probably the best place as well. But maybe like getting more familiar with what it feels like to be in your own energy and what is your own energy, what is yours, what is someone else's. And I think that's where the truth bubbles up. Because I think that is the feeling of truth because that's yep. it's you. It's your own energy. Yep. And, you know, if you have a deck of cards or tarot, pull a card because they're never wrong. 
But I didn't want to say that. How would you tell a woman who's in an abusive relationship? What would you tell her? Pull a card. <laughs> no, not exactly. <laughs> but it's true. Those, those, you know, divine cards, whatever, you know, someone uses, it's always a message. Not all, for me, it's always a message of peace. Yeah. Well, I always, always say in circles, ceremonies, one-on-one, doing readings, the cards are always right because they're just an extension of you and your, it's, it's an extension or a reflection of you. Like your, it is your truth. So, so when women say it's not resonating, I'm like, it's not wrong. Like, don't doubt yourself because you're actually doubting yourself if you think it's wrong. So if you get into a practice of that, of, of saying like, no, this is exactly what was for me. I just have to get a little quieter, look a little deeper, unwind the mind a bit. Yeah, it'll be there. Yeah. And it is a feeling of peace. You're right. And maybe that's, I mean, that's our um, signature, isn't it? As manifest as yeah. peace. Yeah, mm. it is. <laughs> <laughs> 